Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Munt from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is a podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. It's really, really not that good. It is time once again, ladies and gentlemen, for another ravishing episode of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast right here at 1600 Buckslayer Place. We're in the Buckatorium. Sherrard, Illinois, man. What can you say about this town that hasn't already been said about every other town like Sherrard, Illinois? I'm Steve. In the studio today, we've got Kurt. Hello. Eric. What's going on? And our good buddy, Gino Gene Miller. Hello, everybody. Man, what's what what's what's the skinny, fellas? Oh, you know, it's been raining. Another well, rainy day. It's been raining it's been for a about a week straight. Day. Mm-hmm. It's bad. By the time this episode gets released, she'll be like, it's been nice out, though, for the yeah. last month. But, oh, uh, it's weird. It's like a week away from deer season <laughs> when you're hearing this. <laughs> no, it's not going to be <laughs> not that, be that late. long, hopefully. Um, for some reason, it feels like it's been a while since we've been in the studio, but it hasn't at all. It's I, been like less than a week. My whole, like, I'm so busy lately that it just feels, mm-hmm. I just, my, my brain isn't actually grabbing onto anything anymore. I'm just like. Everything just mingles together. I'm skimming over it. Days are like, I'm like, oh, it's Monday. Oh, man, that's a bummer. Next thing I know, it's Sunday again. I'm like, how did this happen? You yeah. Know? <laughs> it's, it's. I don't know. Life happens, man, and so much comes so fast, and you mix everything else in with it. Plus being the working guy, and you know he's hurts wanting you to shut the chair. You know, Ah, I get it. To do what? I don't know. You remember when he said shut the chair? Yeah, he meant shut the door. Yeah, yeah. He can't even talk. (laughs) Blending his words. That doesn't even. I don't know. You'd say that doesn't transfer to anyone listening to this podcast. (laughs) But I think people enjoy that we have inside jokes because they want to believe that we're actually friends outside. of Have you ever listened to like? You ever been the third wheel with your two friends and they do nothing but tell inside jokes? Oh, it's terrible. Especially if you're in the back seat. That's the worst. Okay, so imagine how everyone at home feels. All right, whatever. Well, instead of being in the back seat. Let's bring you to the front seat. We'll make our own inside jokes together. Join us, will you? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by <laughs> HHA Sports. Uh, by the time this episode is out, the Virtus Rest will be out. Mm-hmm. And so you might want to do yourself a favor. Check that out. Um, go ahead. Talk about the veteran, um, the benefits they're doing for veterans with that rest. So, yeah, the, it's called the, the Virtus 22 because, uh, as you know, 22 uh, veterans each and every single day take their own lives. And that's something that needs to needs to end. So every sale of the Virtus, 2.2% goes to 
charities that help with veterans with PTSD. It's a silent killer. Uh, we are going to do everything we can to end that. We'll, we need to bring that number down to absolutely zero. But if you want to help out, buy the Virtus, uh, Virtus 22. It's going to be available at all HHA Anywhere retailers. HHA, yeah. yeah. And so lifetime can, warranty. So it's, exactly. Made in you Wisconsin. Can shoot, you can shoot straight with both those. Get a good rest, and it's going to a great cause. Yep. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. Exactly. So, yeah, we might have a giveaway coming up possibly this summer on that rest. Um, maybe we have some other uh, really good giveaways from HHA. We don't know. Stay tuned, though. But, yeah, check them out, hhasports.com. Um, nothing but good things coming from that company. Um, really like what they're doing. Uh, also, the podcast is brought to you by Scent Crusher. Um, Dan Drake, we can't say enough good things about Dan. We have uh, we have some Scent Crusher jerseys coming in the mail. I'm super excited oh, about this. Oh, we do? Those. Yes, Heck I'm yes. super excited. Um, the, from the Ozone Gear Bag, the Roller Bag, if uh, you want to upgrade and feel super fancy. Um, and Ozone, get, the, get the Realtree Gear Bag. Oh, yeah, that, that thing's mm-hmm. awesome. The Ozone Tote, uh, Ozone Go, uh, the Closet, it's, it's all good stuff. Changing the way uh, we do scent control and the way everyone does scent control, it... it I think it'll be at one at some point everyone will have some sort of ozone scent eliminator product. Like it'll just be like the norm for everyone's like scent killing routine. Um, so check them out, scentcrusher.com. Also brought to you by Elite Archery. Oh, it feels so good to say that. We love our elite bows. Check out the new option series as well as the tempo. I know um, you you're in love with your tempo. Absolutely love it. Eric's in love with his option. It's amazing. Option seven, the tempo. Option six, if you want that speed. Brand new riser design on the bow, split limb design. Check out EliteArchery.com. A lot of cool things coming out from them. Check guys. out the tempo. It's if, if you like the Synergy and the Energy series, that's why I lean towards the tempo. I My Synergy is, I just love that bow. And this is a basically a Synergy riser. It's like a, it's like a hybrid. Pretty it's much. a hybrid yeah. between like the synergy and the impulse, and yeah. it creates for a smooth, fast, comfortable bow. Um, nothing's more important about shooting a bow than like where you feel comfortable. Like, what do you feel good shooting? Absolutely. And it just so happens that that's the energy style riser for me, and I found it in the tempo. So that's um, I mean, more reviews to come. Like, we can get into detail and talk about why we chose what and and our reviews on it and. Uh, Hopefully, I'm out shooting Steve and Eric and the rest of the mm-hmm. WCB nope. crew. Nope. Not going to happen. Summer. Not going to happen. No, I Sorry. I would not count on it. But what I would count on is after you shoot a deer this upcoming deer season, it's taking it to Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing in Viola. The finest, and I do mean finest, deer processor in Western Illinois. Viola, Illinois. Check them out. Smith's Custom Meats and Deer Processing.com. We'll have another giveaway for uh, save yourself some money yes. on a deer processing for our local listeners. Um, so just follow us on social media, workingclassbowhunter.com, Working Class Bowhunter Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Better do that and uh, keep up with us. And uh, Oh, Snapchat as well. I was about to say Snapchat, yeah. Yep. WCB Podcast and... Uh, yeah, connect with the, connect with us. Send us some pictures. And, I think uh, that's the first plug we did for Snapchat. Yeah, on here, exactly. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we're not for, very good at plugging for all on you stuff. young kids. Get at us. So moving <laughs> right along, slide into Steve's DMs. We're gonna right. <laughs> please do. I could use the attention. <laughs> Speaking of uh, sliding into a um, more important subject, 
the vet shout out this week we're gonna i'm gonna pass the torch to you and i'm gonna put you on the spot gene who you got hey i'll always be on point especially for my brothers Hell yeah. <clears throat> but you know what i'm not gonna single out anybody i want to single out every branch and every veteran that is uh serving and stuff because this is about america and this is where we can say god bless america so hats off to every service member and hats off to every branch we're all in that together so but that 22 a day is special to me i mm, got for sure there's a struggle every day so for sure we all gotta stay tight we're all in the same boat brothers of the struggle or foxhole or whatever you want to look at it (laughs) but if you had to lean towards one uh one particular branch one particular unit particularly the 82nd airborne (laughs) in the army there is none greater but i know the rest of you argue that (laughs) right right right. love it well thanks for your service dino and we appreciate you 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 have been you listen have you listened to every single episode of the podcast yeah every single episode and some of them even twice some even three times even went back to listen to Number one, just to see how humbling it he's, was the he's other day. all over again. <laughs> oh, dude. We are very thankful for you, Gene. No, we really appreciate that, man. So no, thanks for coming again. Guys, man. Every, well, every time we hear somebody and they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm starting uh, started over. I'm on episode like 30. You guys are great. It's like, no, why did you jump about 100 episodes? <laughs> we got a lot better. <laughs> we're I starting promise. with number one and we're like, ooh. ooh. And then people are like, yeah, you're at about nine minutes of uh, talking right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, I mean, it. I don't know. It's crazy that someone would listen to every single episode we've ever done, um, but I really appreciate it. It's oh, awesome. No, I believe in you guys, you know. You, you do, and I, I think I've talked to you guys. You've got a unique uh, piece that you each bring to the platter, mm-hmm. and, and you all feed off each other and stuff, and that's huge because you can also reach out to the, the hunting community and people right. and bring more together, and, and I've learned a lot, and it's helped me shoot. So, right. you know, it's, it's good stuff. So it's humbling if you go back and, and listen to some of that and – Right. I could share with uh, you know friends and coworkers. Hey, go listen to this one because I know what's on it. Yeah, right. check you know, this out. Yeah, you know, yeah. Scent Crusher or HHA or any of your sponsors. You know, they've come along with you and stuff. I mean, right. it's huge. So keep For doing sure. a great job, guys. And that's the thing. People might argue too. Like, well, you're like I guess some people might say, hey, man, I, if you follow us, you get how it's molded. Like over time, you see who we've had on, like the relationships we've built throughout the podcast, and you know why the people that sponsor us sponsor us it's not just like out of the blue like it's typically shortly thereafter an episode or after we've had several people like for example elite you know ross and clark from mm-hmm. elite and, and darren christianberry we've had those guys on and they've been on and on again we became friends with those guys and that's just the way it works for us anyway is make good friendships and just be real and uh, i don't know we just want to bring people together with this podcast and uh, and just have a good time um, even though everyone might shoot different brands or whatever, it's it's not about having animosity. Like, oh, you shoot this brand, I shoot this brand, blah blah blah. This this like, we're all in the same family and absolutely um, brothers of the struggle. I would say that's just fun kind of camaraderie, you know. Like right. I pick oh, yeah. on the Marines or I pick on the Air Force, you know. That's just good brotherhood, but we all share the same meaning for yep. sure. Well, let's move right along to the podcast. We have. Greg from New Jersey on. You're excited um, about this guy. I'm really excited about this podcast, and uh, I, I don't even – let's just get him on and talk about it. He's he's a public land guy, um, just grinding it out, working class. Just It's basically what, what – I want to get more people like this on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I there's, a like, lot, there's a lot of knowledge here that needs to be learned, I think. Yes, yes. And not to mention – and uh, we'll get into this with Greg. I, I, won't even, I don't want to go too deep into it, but this is uh, – I'm, I'm really looking forward to this episode. We've never been on the phone with him before until this episode, so this is as real and raw and, and it's just off the top as we can get here on the podcast. So, Forewarning. <laughs> right. I mean, that's every episode, though, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So hope All you guys right. enjoy. 
Uh, sorry about the extremely long intro. We love you, and uh, we'll get moving right along. All right, so on the phone with us, we've got Greg Litzinger, or as he's known to his uh, fans on the gram, that's our E Young Kids Instagram, bowhunting <laughs> underscore fiend. Greg, what's popping? I'm trying to be hip. Am I is it working? <laughs> well, it's close. I mean, you're, you're getting there. Ah. Yeah. Steve is for the children. All right, I love it. How, how have you been, man? I'm good. You know, just uh, sitting here making up some new 3D arrows. Ooh, there you go. Look at that. It's tis the season. I made Eric Fletch a couple arrows for me today in the studio before we started the podcast. So uh, I I, I feel you made me. I think I just did it. (laughs) Yeah, you just did. (laughs) Um, So go ahead and like tell everyone who you are, and uh, we'll kind of just continue with the show from there. All right. Well, from New Jersey, the great state of New Jersey, um, diehard bow hunter, yeah, outdoorsman, but grew up. My dad was a hunter, fisherman, camping, and uh, just kind of followed suit. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've gotten older, I've gotten more into, I guess, taking hunting a little bit more serious, I guess. Um, no more goofing off. Every time I go out in the woods, it's pretty much for a purpose, a reason. <laughs> um, there's no more uh, just winging days in the woods. Like, everything, I pretty much deal with my life outside of hunting is to make me a better hunter the books i read you know the exercises and you know the whole mental positivity side of improving day-to-day operations mm-hmm. cool man uh, you know just working and being a family man and hunting every chance i get shoot my bow working on people's bows trying to you know help people out when i can Right on. So you know, um, if if you look on your Instagram, you know it says you're a, you're a public land hunter. Now, when I think of New Jersey, I think of Jim Tan Laundry in the Jersey Shore. You yeah. might have a different perspective. This ain't just the shore. Um, you know, there's a, there's like tons of critters in in Jersey that you just don't even think about. You know, your public land. Explain to us the layout of 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 Jersey, if you will. Of Jersey, of Jersey, wow. yes. Oh, there's a lot more to Jersey. <laughs> See, well, to the, the good thing about Jersey is, I mean, for me, is we have pretty much every type of terrain you can encounter in a, in a whitetail world. We have mountains, we have marshes, swamps, big woods, urban woodlots. It's a good state to really. I mean, there's a lot of public land, and it's a great state to test your ability in many different areas of a uh, you know whitetail's range. You know, I uh. I grew up in South Jersey, grew up, you know, hunting the marshes and the swamps, you know, salt marshes and deep, nasty mosquito swamps. And as I've gotten older, I've dived into some of the bigger woods in the middle of the state and worked my way up into the mountains up in the northwest corner. So it's it's a great state to really test your ability. Um, you know, there's whatever you want to hunt public land new jersey has it right. <laughs> we might have high taxes and uh, a few other i wouldn't <laughs> say shady things going on in jersey but they definitely do a lot for conservation for his land for uh public land hunting right so well it's definitely us. we live in illinois so we don't need to talk like proper ethics with uh politics and stuff <laughs> so. i think you guys rank a lot higher than us and at least being better but <laughs> right <laughs> right right um so Basically, let's just get off um, on on one foot here. Is is why public land? I mean, uh, is it, 
what what basically put you in the direction to focus on public land? Uh, do you not have private land, or kind of what what guided you in that area? Just you know, uh, my said my dad he worked at Dupont's. You know, we we did well growing up. You know, we didn't really need much, but he just hunted public. So you follow suit. You know, when your dad's taking out in the woods, you go where he goes, and just became a you know, labor of love, I guess. I've had some leases, I guess. You know, I belong to a few clubs, but it was just, I don't know, I felt restricted, if you will. You know, you got 500 acres, you're stuck to that 500 acres, but I can go somewhere where there's 1,000 acres. To me, that's, you know, it's more engaging. There's more things to see, more things to learn. Mm-hmm. And as I've gotten older, I've just hunted more and more public. And I do believe it was to kind of snub my nose, I guess, to the guys that wouldn't give me permission to hunt their land. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, go kill a big deer on public is just a, a good, you know, middle finger in some people's faces. Right, uh, right. But now, I mean, as I'm, as I'm transitioning into, you know, middle age, if you will, it's a little bit more than that. It's just uh, knowing I'm hunting the smartest deer that's out there. Right. Um, we get you know, bird hunters, duck hunters, you know, squirrel hunters, everything. And we, areas that I hunt are just blown out. I mean, we live in one of the most populated states in the country and it's just massive amount of people everywhere. So for me, I enjoy testing my skill set against the best, you know, in, right. in any endeavor, fighting, baseball, football, to be the best, you got to play against the best. And public land allows me to really test my skill set as a hunter <laughs> and my patience and my sanity also. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That there's, uh, you know, many, uh, many seasons where tags go unfilled. You know, there's not, right. not the deer I want to shoot, you know, or not a mature deer. A lot of deer sometimes just not that one deer that goes, wow, that's a, that's a pretty big deer. Right, right. So it's, yeah, I, I enjoy the challenge, basically. You know, I, I tell you what, Greg. I would love to have a farm. You know, you can have a couple years, I guess, to look at it, learn it, but it, it's hard to get farms around here without. I don't have money to, you know, lease a farm, even get permission. It, it's tough. That right. does so, make it tough. I do a lot of public ground hunting as well. This is Gene. And, uh, you know, in. And you said it, and what I like and I'm intrigued about public ground hunting is the challenge that it has because you run across everything. And one of the biggest challenges I find all the time is running in, you know, there's laws that you could put your stand up and take it down the same day. You go out there, you find this honey hole, you think, you look, there's a stand, you know, and you can only assume the person's going to be there. Well, you find that a lot of people will leave their stands out there for maybe just a gun season you know, and so, you know, you, you don't know if someone's going to walk across your path, if you set up right there, too, or whatnot, and it gets frustrating. So the challenging part, and I, this is what I'm intrigued about in New Jersey, especially with the terrain, the rocky part and stuff, is this last year, I've been going down there for 11 years to the Big River State Park and uh, mm-hmm. and hunting there with a good buddy. We camped there, and, and uh, I finally lost enough weight that I can walk down these fire breaks a mile end where nobody goes, and that's the challenge, you know, and you come across different trains, and that's what makes it fun, but do you find those same frustrations there as far as 
because this place is, I think, 2,400 acres, you know, so there's plenty of place yeah. to go, but it's a lot of pine tree, and then you got some dense woods and just a, a mix. So everybody hunts the fringes in those good spots. You really got to hike to get in where nobody's at. Yeah. And it's, it got a lot of challenges with that. Yeah, and, well, in Jersey, the baiting's legal, which adds another wrinkle to the mix. Um, I'm not a big fan of baiting. I like people that do it, rock on. But for me, it's just, it's not my thing. Uh, I just prefer to hunt, you know, El Natural, if you will. And mm-hmm. with me, I'll be, a, you know, I don't see many, many big deer. If I see a big deer, odds are I'm killing it. <laughs> so there's no like, oh, there he is a hundred yards away. If I see a big deer, like the, my style of hunting is pretty aggressive to most. You know, like I, I'm all in on every sit. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, big bucks, no whammies on every time I go in the woods. Right. And with baiting, you get, I was like, man, I'm cutting the fresh tracks here every so often. I'm going to set up here or set near, set up near this bedding area. And I go out there and get set up. And there'll be a ladder stand and a bait pile. And I was like, that was not there three days ago. And that's a challenge because you never know where a bait pile is just going to spring up. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this past season happened three or four times. I go out, you know, out in the middle of the marsh, out in the middle of nowhere. And three hours before light sometimes, get set up in daybreak. You're like, there's, oh, there's a, somebody's out here with a chainsaw, you know, and cut big shooting lanes and there's a giant pile of sweet potatoes of corn. And it's like, <sighs> well, it's test your sanity. <laughs> that's for sure. Right. Oh yeah. Or right. some, you know, someone's bringing her kid out and shooting her gun for the day, and you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> I've watched yep. a lot of crazy stuff in the public ground. But do you guys have the laws to where? I mean, can you put up your stand and take them down each day, or can so yeah, they can with they the can beating, stay, they can can stay out there. Yeah, stay out there whenever. They don't, there's no laws to take stands with you at the end of the season or the end of the day, which. Wow. You know, as you've run across, you, there's stands choking trees out all over the place around some of my woods. See, what I'm curious you know? on that, because, like, what I've, you know, maybe I'm a little more uh, considerate of people, I would think. If I see a stand, I won't go anywhere near it, even on public yeah. ground, because I, I only assume, and I, and I imagine people go and they'll sit in other people's stands and stuff, and that's the stuff I like for hunters to ethically start working on is, okay, yeah. if you do have laws that put them up, put them down, I get it. If you're going to leave there and you're hunting for the week, you know, put a label on it that you're there, these dates and stuff, and take it down. <laughs> because, you know, we got different seasons, too. So if you're going out bow hunting and it's not gun season, well, those stands could just be there, you know, waiting and anticipating the gun season. Yeah, and you they know, ain't going to so. be hard to If you label them at the top, they ain't going to be hard to read because they're only about six feet off the ground. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, exactly. you know, so there's just obstacles I've was always been curious about. Well, Greg, I want to talk like if you had to give three tips, like three top tips, and if you got if there's got to be more, uh, go ahead. But for for someone that is having a hard time hunting public ground or is thinking about hunting public ground, mm-hmm. um, just if you could rattle off a top three with a little bit of detail, what what three tips would you would you throw out there? Top top three would be. Hmm. Find bedding, number one. Find where the bucks are bedding and the does are bedding, and you'll learn how they enter and exit these beds. Um, topic two for me would be get away from the trail cameras. Um, a lot of guys with these cameras, they get fix, fixated on the camera, 
and they'll go out to the same spot every week or every 10 days, and it just blows out that area with scent. Um, you know, become more of a woodsman, I guess, you know, a student of what's going on. Like, be stealthy. Mm-hmm. And he said, be mobile. A lot, too many people get fixated on one spot because they've seen a deer in this area or there's a rub or a scrape, and they just blow it out. Be mobile. You know, move. You know, stay moving like a wolf. All predators stay moving. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be static. And a lot of people are afraid to, you know, get out of their comfort zone, I guess, or afraid to take a chance because they might blow out a deer. Well, you know what? You're going to blow out deer. You know, that's the only way to learn. <laughs> Make your mistakes, you know, and don't get frustrated because, mm-hmm. you know, that's the biggest I find that people do around here is, overhunting stands and getting frustrated because they're not seeing the deer they want to see. Well, you know what? There's not a 140 inch deer running around every, every tree, you know, ha- hanging out behind every tree around here. You yeah, know, this is in Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Every tree there was. <laughs> and people do in Jersey get fixated on inches. It's about the inches. You know what? There's not a 150 inch deer on every woodlot. You know, there's going to be mature deer, so get away from the inches and start focusing on the age. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. and a five-year-old deer is a five-year-old deer, whether it has 100 inches of antler or 200 inches of antler. That is mature, smart deer, and that's what you should be targeting. Like, right. don't target inches because you're going to come up short, at, you know, every time. Mm-hmm. That's a good tip. I think that is, especially um, there's a – I'm assuming the outlook of Illinois and the Midwest out there is like – there's big deer everywhere, and then people from the Midwest think out east. There's not any big deer, yeah. which is not yeah. the case on, on on both ends of the of the spectrum. Yeah. There. So let me, and yeah. I, I want to ask us just so like you know because I, I assume most of our listening base is in the Midwest, yeah. And, you know, sprinkled elsewhere. Um, you know, have you ever been to the Midwest? Um, furthest I've been is northeast Kentucky. <laughs> mm, yeah, all right. Well, we'll we'll accept it. Um, is, <laughs> is Jersey a lot like that? I mean, you know, do you see like are you in a small town where if you're in a small town Jersey, are you going to see a bunch of diesel trucks running with you know real trees stickers in the back and a bunch of camo? I mean, is it is it like we that? Have, yes, we we have that here too. That's awesome. Uh, I, I, I love it, dude. That's that. America, yeah, that, South, that's Jersey, South Jersey is pretty, we're not really populated in certain areas. There's a lot of still unbroken timber around here. And there is, you said, the, the diesels, you know, four-wheelers. You know, I was out in the woods the other day, uh, yesterday with the family uh, doing some hill sprints. And sure enough, there's, you know, public, you know state land. No, four, no four-wheelers allowed. Here comes a bunch of four-wheelers ripping all around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so it's like, yeah, well, whatever. You know, I don't, that used to annoy me. I used to get frustrated and angry, but kids are going to be kids, you know? Yep, right. Yeah. Kids don't follow rules. <laughs> <laughs> for, so for hunting public ground, let's break it down to this. You're the best thing about it, and then give me the absolute worst thing about it. Mm. And maybe you've already said it, but um, we'll just yeah, clarify. The best, is, the best is just having success on you know like for me personally i go to areas where the pressure is the most extreme uh i i look for that like i want to go where everybody's going and do what nobody can so when that you know does 
stars align and I you know, kill that buck, that is the most rewarding, gratifying thing in the world to me, hunting wise. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, I shot this. I mean, down the street from my house, I shot this a few years ago. He's a 140 inch eight, 139, almost 48 inch eight, and I had so many people stop me either in a bar or Walmart or where it might be. You shot my deer. I'm like, no, <laughs> your deer? Oh, that's cool. I guess because he's on my wall, you know. Right. Whatever. Oh no, you, you know. Like, where are you shooting him? And I, yeah, and I'll tell everybody where I kill a deer, and people are like, why? I was like. Because I want people to know where I like. I want people to say it's possible. Like, oh, you right. killed it there. There, yeah, I killed it there. So it gets people you know, that might have a hard time. They might be you know questioning their choices. It might uplift their spirits, or it might make them really mad. But either way, I get a reaction out of them, which I kind of enjoy in a weird way. But <laughs> yeah, the experience. Yeah. You know, that was one of the most Midwestern things you ever said when you were talking about uh, where people ask you, stop you about your deer, is the, you you said the bar in Walmart. That's the most. <laughs> I just wanted to. Yeah, that's pretty much what we got around here. <laughs> um, and uh, I would say the worst is the the jealousy that comes because of that having success on public is there's a lot of people that say some mean things from time to time. Hey, Greg. Um, yeah. Greg. Yeah. Dope shit brings hate quick, brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and the best is, uh, you know, we, you, if you're a poacher, we call it road stroking. Yeah, I've been called, <laughs> you know, I've been called a road stroker, a poacher. I film all my hunts, and I've had guys, I mean, MF me up and down. You know, I'm no good on this, and you did this, you did that. I will go to, I was like, oh, really? I'll go to my YouTube channel. I'm like, tell me where, look, read that timestamp, 743. What's up? That's right. <laughs> What's, up? What's up? What's up? Hey, every time you film, do you get a new haircut? No, never do I get I have no hair. <laughs> oh, no, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, what yeah. I, was gonna, I wanted to bring up, um, following you on Instagram, I was watching some of your videos, and you kind of do like little mini breakdowns while you're doing like some scouting. And, uh, you had a few posts on there about you finding in a certain area, like a little clump of hair. And I feel like a lot of times that is a, and even though it seems super obvious, like, Oh, there's deer hair there. That means a deer is there in the area. (laughs) It's same thing with the track, but you are pointing it out as like a very significant, um, clue in scouting i guess, I guess a clue is, i guess yeah. you want to call it that it, can you kind of break that down a little bit because i feel and, and i don't know if you would agree with me this i feel like that's kind of an overlooked thing even though for, for how obvious of, of a of a scouting sign it is you know yeah well you know like i said i grew up in the air you know in the, in the hunt, started hunting in the 90s but there's no trail cameras like so every bit of sign you found be it a broken stick a piece of hair you know hair in a barbed wire fence track you know, aging all this stuff. You know, you you learn to, to appreciate the 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 woodsmanship, I guess. You know, as from the yesteryear, the old ways, I guess, if you will. Uh, and when I find stuff like that, because I'm a primarily a bed hunter, and and like that that spot that you're talking about, it's a lone island in the marsh. I go out to that island, the bed. Definitely was getting used, but 
sometimes you don't know how they're coming in and out of this bed or that island. Well, that clump of hair was on a trail that, or an area I never would have thought he would come in that island at, where it's not downwind, it's more like a crosswind. So it kind of opens my eyes, you know, like most people overlook it. To me, it's like, all right, well, he's coming in and out of this spot right here, which kind of goes against mature buck behavior, circling downwind of the bed. You know, it was your tracks going in and out where this time of year, it's not the downwind side. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, that makes a little bit more predictable on my part, or I can have a, a better opportunity at shooting that deer either from the ground or another set of trees somewhere, you know, so little bits and pieces like that, like a set of broken branches coming in and out of a bed, you know, stuff that most people overlook. I, I take joy in finding that because it's just another clue that I can say, all right, you know, it's, I thought he was doing this, but obviously the signs say he's doing this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my dad was a, a very good woodsman. You know, I learned a lot from him and I'm, grateful <laughs> he was kind of you know a little tough with me in the beginning um and it's just it pays off now like later on in life because i don't hardly ever use trail cameras i mean i ran some this year but i put them out in september i pulled them in february didn't really check them you know so i guess i'm uh not anti-technology but i just enjoy the process of figuring it out like on my own Greg, what, Greg, do you think, uh, I was curious when you're talking about how the deer and you're, you know, coming in the bedling traditionally don't, you know, they're coming across with the crosswinds. And so I was thinking about that because I've been running that through my head and in the same public ground and stuff too. And sometimes I'm wondering, you know, and that's what I look for is those different signs because I think, do you think too, because of the pressure, you know? And they're doing some non-traditional stuff because of the fringe pressure of everybody else hunting. You know what I'm saying? I, so I think somehow yeah. they do something kind of out of pattern sometimes. Great question, Gene. Yeah. Or I, I absolutely. Indubitably. Indubitably. Yeah, I, I definitely believe that because a mature buck, if he gets, you know, three years old around here, three and a half, like he's a different, different animal. He's just totally on another level. And most guys will hunt down inside of a bedding area. You know, a hunt the standard protocol. Well, these deer will adapt. Like they're not. They, they don't want to die, <laughs> right. so they're going to be like, "All right, well, I know humans come on this side of the island, or you know, on this point. Well, I'm going to go against the grain because you know what? I never smell humans over here. Right. You know, so they can get in and out, and so as long as they get in and out a few times, like they, they feel pretty comfortable. Mm -hmm. you know, I guess they would get you know let their guard down if they've done something you know a hundred times and there's been no you know negative effects of doing it, then they're going to keep doing it. Right. And they say they, they're, they're very adaptable. I mean, crazy adaptable. That's a very uh, good, learn, good way to look yeah. at all this. And, and Gene, I'm glad you brought that up. And, and indubitably that's uh, Greg, it, it, I'm just the whole time you're explaining that I'm thinking like, imagine I'm used to hunting private ground. There's not a whole lot of public ground in our area. There's the one place Gene was talking about. Other than that, there's not a whole lot of options. Like Iowa has a lot more. That's right across the Mississippi from us. Like, you know, half hour we're into Iowa and we can be on some public mm -hmm. ground. The Mississippi's a river, by the way, um, <laughs> for those of you who aren't from the area. Um, but <laughs> it, it's funny. Like, I'm the whole time I'm thinking, like, what if I went out hunting with you on public ground? Like, I would have oh, probably a horrible time and trying to get on some deer, or we would be button heads trying to 
team up on a buck because I'm wanting to do like the traditional scouting methods where you're used to hunting a little bit heavier pressured deer. I mean, I've hunted, I've hunted some pressured deer, but probably not anywhere close to like what you have. So me and you would be an interesting, <laughs> an interesting dynamic to see both of us work together to try to kill a buck on some public ground. You know what I mean? We it's tough. We we should just see it happen. Uh, why, Greg, why don't you let Kurt crash on your uh, couch and uh, we'll see it happen? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I, I got a big house. <laughs> hey, there you go. Bring some Yingling back, Kurt. I mean, what's, what's tough about that go. too? You think about your traditional way and. They're on the public grounds and stuff. The other obstacle, I think, where they change their patterns because of the pressure, they get deep in those weird areas like you're talking about with the crosswinds, or they just get so dang nocturnal. We can find prints and signs everywhere, but they just won't come out in the day because it's like they just know mm-hmm. these well, areas. I mean, yes. It's these high-pressured areas, like they always say, like if you over... If you're at a stand too much, that deer is going to start pattering you. He's going to start realizing where you're at, where you're coming in, and what you're doing. Just mm-hmm. like you're yep. trying to do him, and that's right. where you're going to screw yourself up. Yep. For sure. Yeah, and they don't, and they don't make very many mistakes. Like we're, like I tell people, you know, a lot. If you, if someone were to come to you and be like, if you don't kill a mature deer, you know, this year, you know you're going to die or some of you know is going to die. Like you will change your way of thinking like these deer, they don't want to die. So they can adapt on the fly mm-hmm. or we're a very stubborn species. Like if a wolf doesn't adapt, you know, or lion or whatever, any type of predator doesn't adapt, they die. For humans, we're not under that pressure, that gun, because you can go to a supermarket, you can go to McDonald's and get food. But if you change your mindset to a predator prey type relationship, if you're not doing this, you know, you could possibly not make it next year. It can definitely change your way of thinking on viewing things because it puts that might be the best thing ever said on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the diff- that's the difference between thinking and instinct. Yes. That's right. You Look at for sure. He just advocated socialism, and you guys yeah. agreed. We I can't believe you. We think about stuff. <laughs> can't believe you. They they instinctively move, and they don't think twice about it, and then they adapt. For sure. Yep. You know. Well, you know, the, well, you know I didn't want to cut Greg off because no, yeah, yeah, such yeah, a good going. point. So basically, if you look at it that way, like if you don't kill this deer, you're going to starve. Yeah. Yes. And it, yep. It's it's tough. It's it's a hard thing because you know I've gone three years without even picking up my bow, not even seeing a shooter buck in three years. Like it's it's a lonely way of hunting. <laughs> it can be tough. Like this year, it was very rough season for me. Seeing two deer, it's just I was five minutes too late getting to the tree, and well, uh, they run off, and I'm standing there looking at myself, going, "Wow, that's great, awesome, fantastic." <laughs> so it it's a, it's just tough hunting. But if you yeah. try to take what you can, the positive, you know, the positive out of it, you know, like I I didn't kill a deer this year. Uh, a buck, a mature buck, but I did kill two mature does. One that's getting his, I'm going to have her teeth aged. Her teeth were almost non-existent, like gone. Wow. So, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. I might not have been a mature buck, but this doe, in the area I killed her, she's busted me so many times, and I knew it was her because she had short little stubby legs and these, you know, small little weird ears. And to kill her was... Uh, you know, awesome. I killed her on January 1st. 
Yeah, you know, opening day of our winter battle. Yeah, I couldn't. I was, I was tickled to death. You know, that was that made my season right there. I'm the so, same way. If I can know, kill a big old nanny on public ground, oh, I am sure. a yeah, one of my, as a 180-inch buck. Yep. One of yep. my favorite stories is uh, that Kurt always tells me is like, uh, you you had a, this is on public or private ground, but you always had this nanny that busted you, and I think you sealed the deal with her. She busted you like two, three seasons in a row, and finally you were oh, like. Oh, there was just one that was so big. Like, yeah, I just have the same story. My dad actually killed her. Oh, it was your dad? Yeah. I, I always thought it was you. Just no, notorious, like, oh, like you knew no matter what stand you are in, even if you hung a new one, she'd come in and look right up at you. It's like, and I had her at 10 yards and, you know, did the old, to stop her, and she, every time I, I did that, I just busted out of there. I'm like. She can't be stopped. And then my dad yeah. five-year-old doe. Yeah, da- daddy had to show you how it's done. Hey, man, if you can kill a mature doe, especially like Greg did on public ground, you can kill any animal in the world. Yeah, that's oh, for nuts. sure. Yeah, so when you, and you also got the limitations, you know, like what you're to to do, you know, to take it to the next level. Because, I mean, to, to be a mature deer hunter, there's a transition from a deer hunter to a mature deer hunter. It, it, it's a small, tra- a long transition that takes place. And it requires giving up a lot of things, especially on public, because every weekend I spend scouting from January pretty much. I'm still scouting. You know, turkey season's coming up. I'm more worried about finished scouting and getting my trees ready. And it it's pretty much a year-round, you know, borderline obsessive, <laughs> compulsive disorder. No, where it is. It's 365, I, you know, yeah, and, to do it successfully. That transition is it's tough for a lot of people because they give up before the end. And I'll never forget this this kid, Rich, told me, he goes, once you kill your first big deer, it becomes a lot easier. And I was like, get out of here. Because I killed a lot of nice deer, but I always, you know, I'd either missed or they got winded, busted. And when I killed my first, I guess, you know, industry standard big deer, you know, 120-inch public, it was like... A, like a re- saving grace it was like i can breathe because you yeah. put so much pressure and stress on yourself and it's like it's doable i can i can do this right you know, yeah. the, like spent three years getting nothing and then once i got that one it was like i wouldn't say easier but it's almost like you you can believe that it's possible and you stop putting this hardcore pressure on yourself and you kind of let things flow and just let your natural instincts take over and i went on a six-year run there where I killed five mature deer in public in six years, you know? So I was like, oh, nice. Dude, I'll I would completely that. agree with that. Like it's, it's, I remember like growing up being, looking at the guys I grew up hunting with and they're killing big deer. And I'm like, why can't I kill a big deer like that? Like I'm hunting the wind. I'm, I'm trying to hang new stands. I'm, I'm hunting some of their stands. They're allowing me in on. And, and it just, it just hasn't happened. And then once you finally make it happen, it, it's almost like, that pressure on yourself gets relieved, and you're like, okay, like just, just what you said. It's, it's a weight. It's a weight off your chest. Is what it is. Yeah, it's possible. Like, oh yeah. yeah. And and I yeah. went consistently for five years killing big deer, and and now I get it. You know, I've had it to where I've gone years. You know, within killing big deer, like it's just part of it, man. Like especially like uh, like if you try to hold out for a certain class, like I know you you know you say the difference is public and or or uh you know maturity on public ground and some people go for the inches or whatever whatever your goal is as a hunter is is what you want to shoot for but sometimes you don't always meet your goal but that's what makes a goal a goal and what makes it so yeah. sweet when you get it accomplished um and that good i mean very all good points there i mean extremely 
well uh <laughs> well said um and, great. go ahead sorry yeah i find too with hunters as well if you don't have a goal in hunting fishing whatever it might be life it, it's hard to <laughs> gauge gauge your you know your progress if you want to go out your deer is just to kill a big deer all right how do you want to kill that big deer like there's got to be some rules to what you're doing because mm-hmm. you're going out there just winging it you might get lucky every now and again you know and shoot one but are you really like you got lucky <laughs> like every one of my deer i knew exactly where they were bedding <laughs> almost what time they would come out like a all the moon phase, all this, like all that stuff kind of played out for me. And I knew exactly what was going to happen. You can feel it. You got that inner sense. Like it's going to happen today. Like it's going down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and a lot of guys never feel that because they're just winging it. They're just, you know, shoot from the hip, so to speak. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough way to hunt for me, especially because I did it for years, you know, just hope, poking and hoping. <laughs> you know, Greg, I, I wanted to say this. I, I love how your mind thinks because, you know, you, you were saying, hey, you know, you need to have goals, whether it be hunting, fishing, or life. I love how you put hunting and fishing above living life. Like, <laughs> like, it, like your main, you know, you should have goals for just those two. But, like, as far as, like, getting a wife, kids, you know, paying the bills, eh. That's all. That's that's number three on the list. You know, I, I, I enjoy that. You know what's funny? I had something happen to me yesterday at work. Uh, we we're walking out of work. I was talking to a guy I work with. He goes, "Is all you think about is your bow?" I'm like, "Listen, son, it's all I care about." <laughs> yeah, that's right, son. Hey, priorities, man. Priorities. That's but right. Anything Damn you right. do, whether it's archery or drag racing or whatever, I was having that same conversation. A guy right. was like, "Man, I've spent so much money on it. You're going to spend money on whatever your passion is. If you right, have a sure. goal and you want to achieve it, just like that. Try well, just, not unless your passion is collecting yeah. cans, then you're getting paid for your passion. <laughs> well, it's just funny too. Like a lot, like where, where I work, it's a it's a traveling job, and I talk to a lot of guys who are like. Well, I used to bow hunt, but with this job, I just don't have time to bow hunt. And then they're like, they're talking to me, and I'm looking at them. I'm looking at them like, you don't have time. They're like, yeah. Well, I never bow hunted. I don't bow hunt like you do. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah. Like I take my vacation for bow hunting. Right. Like I will, I'll, I'll work what I have to work, and then I'm going bow hunting. I don't live to work. I live to bow hunt. Right. You know, exactly. and that's where my priority is. <laughs> that's your livelihood. You got to enjoy right. life. If you're going to try yeah. and skew me one way or another, eh, go fuck yourself. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just what I do. Oh, the Joyzy and Kurt's coming out. Good Lord. <laughs> it's just, this is yeah. the way it is, man. It's the way I program my life, and that's the way it'll be forever. And uh, if yeah. every it, every job I had, it pretty much like uh, vacations, days off, goes around hunting season. Right. And it, yeah. it it's caused a lot of stress in certain relationships in my life, but like I said, I've been doing this, you know, ever since I was 14. Like, it's, my dad didn't have to say, hey, let's go hunting. I'm telling my dad, hey, let's go hunting. Mm-hmm. So it's something that, you know, I wasn't forced to do. It's just something I enjoy doing, you know, right. fishing outdoors is anything. And I could never work at a job where I couldn't have access to do the things I want to do. On a, on a regular basis to me that's not that's not living a life you're just going through the motions of living for sure greg no. one thing i want to i want kind of want to change the pace a little bit here um if, if anyone follows you on instagram highly recommended for all the listeners out there uh one of the first things i noticed because i it's something that we have in common and you have a lot more than i have um mm-hmm. but you're a heavily tattooed guy within the hunting industry um and what some of the pictures i saw big gauges and all I just kind of want yeah. to talk about this a little bit because 
it's starting to become a lot more common thing, but is, um, yeah. you're kind of the next level tattooed. Um, <laughs> we uh, the young kids. We call it inked up. So yeah, how does that affect <laughs> like? How does that affect, or does it even affect at all your relationships with people you talk to that hunt? Um, do they, do people not see you as a hunter, or how has that affected like the relationships it, you form within hunting in general? Kurt's asking hey, for a friend. So, yeah. <laughs> Some some people they're fine with it, you know, because it's, it's I guess more socially acceptable. Um, other people they just look at me weird, especially like they ask me questions. Like I worked at a couple, you know, archer shops, and like I even worked at you know Cabela's for a little bit. And the looks I would get from people because they don't expect the level of knowledge that I'm about ready to drop on them to come from someone like me, mm -hmm. be it from either hunting or set up, setting up a bell or coaching them in the range. You know, that's just some guys are and women are taken back. Some of them, they think it's awesome. I get high fives. Uh, I don't think it limits, you know, I guess my entry into the hunting world, I guess. Because mm -hmm. uh, if someone's, someone's going to, you know, judge me by my tattoos, then that's cool, whatever. Like, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Right on. Right. You know, like, I'm, I'm a hunt. I love hunting, but. I love tattoos. I love art. You know, I, I'm a multifaceted guy. You know, I enjoy a lot of things, but you know, tattoos are just something, another expensive hobby. I enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I just, I had to ask that because it's, it's becoming a lot more common, but it's, uh, yeah. you know, when I see someone that's heavily, more heavily tattooed, I'm more inclined to go and talk to that person because I know what their mindset is just, they're probably way cooler than what people are thinking they actually <laughs> yeah, are. Right. And uh, yeah. like I have one of my best friends could be on the cover of any tattoo magazine, like full blown, his head's tattooed, his face is tattooed. Like it's something tattoos always intrigue me. So if I see someone that bow hunts and has tattoos, like to a level to where it's, you know, not just the tattoo on your shoulder, I'm like, well, I'm going to follow or see, you know, I have something in common with this person. I, I feel like I could get along. You're going to make it a yeah. point to go talk to him. And that's, yeah. that's yes. actually how this podcast started, you know, cause, um, cause I, me and Kurt actually had mutual friends before we knew each other and I followed him on Twitter. I saw this dude, you know, killing deer with tattoos and gauges. I was like, and this is an East coast expression. I was like, Oh, this guy has to be a good shit. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, you know, it's it's one of them deals, you know, if you can start talking to somebody, you can, and you can pick up pretty quickly if the tattoos are, like, really good or they got them in the clink. You know what I mean? You can always always tell <laughs> exactly. that, but, um, but it, it's an art form, and, like, uh, there's a, I guess he, he's our teammate now, uh, Tommy Gomez. He's a professional yeah. shooter, and that dude is tatted up, and, yep. you know, you, you look, and he's, obviously, he enjoys art, but what what he does professionally his work speaks for him and i i think it's uh it's obviously a changing thing and i think we'll see it more and more i um, hope yeah. you do i hope I, and i'm hoping so because uh i plan on getting some sleeves <laughs> dude they're yeah, yeah, awesome I, I went right for the throat uh like i got my throat <laughs> for a while like because some people are gonna be so mad and you know what i my youth, I enjoyed making certain people angry, you know, because <laughs> I could do certain things they couldn't, and I was, I got my third tattooed. I mean, I've been called a convict. I've been called, you know, I've been to prison. I mean, there's stories. I've been to prison five years. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I didn't realize I went to prison, but all right. 
fantastic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, the stories is is pretty crazy, especially when we worked at Cabela's. The stories that were told about me that people didn't even know. Like, wow, these are grown adults. Wow, talking stories like this. That's and yeah, I don't get angry or upset. I just laugh. I'm like, wow, that's what your life. Right. Revolves around talk yeah. about well, my tattoos. For, what That's I was cool. gonna say, what I, what I was just curious about, like before and after you got your your throat tattoos, like the best man that's gonna be in my wedding. Like we haven't even had my my bachelor party yet, <laughs> but he, his neck's full tattooed, his hands, his fingers, his top whole top of his head, he's bald, the whole top of his head's tattooed, and he goes, uh, "Hey man, just a, kind of a pre warning, like." Um, just so you know, like I might not be able to get into certain like clubs or bars or and stuff. Like I, I, he's like, I've been getting turned down. He lives in Columbus, Ohio. He's like, I've been getting turned down um, at certain clubs and bars here. Like when I just want to go have a few beers with some friends, like they just think like it's it's not a good look and they'll turn me down. Like the bouncer will. He's like, so I just want you to be aware that you know we might get turned down at some places and might have to leave. And uh, I'm like, yeah. First off, if anyone ever does that, those are that's a place we wouldn't want to be anyway. Exactly. But yeah. Exactly. Have, have you ever like? Did you notice a huge difference like right before and after? Like, was there a hard line like before you got your neck tattooed and right after? Uh, a, a little bit. Like some people distance themselves. Um, you know, at the time I was working a lot, going to school, so I didn't really have a lot of interaction with like outside my daily routine. But some people definitely kind of turned away for a little bit. Uh, but. I guess that's human nature. People don't really understand certain things. So it's best to run away from something. I guess they don't fully understand, you know, but, right. you know, I guess it doesn't really buy it. I mean, some, I lost, I wouldn't say lost some friends, but there was definitely some moments where it's like, wow, I thought we were cool, but like, I guess not, but all right. You know, yeah, which is so weird, right? Like it's, it's just yeah, a bizarre thing. Like, hey, yeah, ink closed. So if somebody buys a big fancy house, you're not gonna be friends with them anymore, right? You know, yeah. like come on. But people, I guess, are afraid of what they don't understand. I guess is it's probably true. the best way to put it. It's a good point. Preconceived said, judgments that don't need to take place, yeah. and if they just took the time and look past the exterior and actually listen to their heart, they might find out more about them they got in common. That's just oh, something that no, bugs no, no, me. Gene, you, you don't understand how society <laughs> works. We judge everybody purely based right. on pictures and what we think they're like <laughs> hey, you guys are missing yeah. the boat man i i look at you and i see tattoo and i see you kill big deer and ah man don't even want to talk yeah. to you <laughs> people are missing out you know it, it's, yeah. and that's the thing uh that i'm really excited about with the the changing of where the hunting industry is going guys like tommy gomez big you know tatted dudes yeah. you kurt i i love it man because this is the real world. You know, you go on a job yeah. site, you see a guy that's big tatted up, and you're like, you know, if you have the assumption, oh, this guy, uh, this guy spent time in the clink. Well, you go talk to him, and you find out this dude's a three time combat vet. You yeah. know, and, and <laughs> this dude's like super high ranking, and then he came into the helmets and hard hats, which is a super cool. Or, or helmets and hard hats is a super cool organization. You just don't know, and you, and that should be the biggest clue that. Dude, these guys that you're going to sit there and judge are either going to be the best human beings on the planet, fought for your freedom, or they're killing big deer th than you, or bigger deer than you. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> or out, yes, exactly. Or out shooting you or on out the shooting range. You, you know and what I mean? That's where I want to transition, Greg. Is uh, let's talk about your 3D archery involvement a little bit. 
Yeah, well, I get a tattoo story about that. <laughs> the first competition I entered was a uh, qualifying for the the Worlds a few years ago in 2013, I think. And it's summertime, so I got cutoffs on, you know, cutoff sleeves, shorts. And the guys I shot with didn't talk to me for 30 targets. Well, older gentlemen, they, they were just antisocial. It was my first tournament. I was nervous. By the end of the day, you know, like we tally up scorecards, like I beat both of them. I mean, you know, I crushed both of them. And it was just kind of funny. Like it was a, a, a fitting, like, hey, what's up? Oh, did, what did you, you score again? Okay, because I, I, I do believe, okay, yeah, I beat both of you. Okay, just check it. And I seen them a few <laughs> weeks later, and they were so nice to me after that. And I was like, you couldn't be nice to me. You judge me on my tattoos. And then you realize, oh, he can shoot. He's a nice guy. Now I want to talk to you. And it's like, to this day, I see those guys. I, from time to time, I just ignore them like they don't exist. So I was like, you know, I ain't got time for people. Fake, you know, fake wannabe shooters, whatever. You know, you're old. You're like 50 or 60. Come on, get over it. Right. <laughs> I, you know, I got, I, I got a funny story. I've told this story on the podcast a couple times, Greg, and you'll enjoy this. My, uh, my old lady, Amy, she's Canadian. She shoots. And, uh,. <laughs> I just want to let you guys know while uh, everyone's like, why is she dating you? Because she's polite. She's Canadian. So and she's young. And she's young. She America's hat. And she hates her dad. Or I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, um, we're hanging out at the archery shop. And, you know, she's sitting there shooting. And there's some, you know, some country boys come in with their single cab, two-wheel drive truck. You know, not diesel, <laughs> full cab. You know what I'm talking about. Daddy bought it. Daddy bought it. And they're sitting there. Uh, they're shooting. And they're they're kind of giving her. You know, when she's uh, getting her bow out and everything. Oh, oh, you're a chick, huh? Oh, yeah, you must have seen that Hunger Games. Here's the other shooting. And she's like, hey, I want to shoot. And I didn't have my bow, so I'm just kind of in the back um, shooting the breeze with with a couple of the techs. And another guy who's there, a good buddy of mine, Marty Mills, love that guy to death. He, he walks around the corner, and he's got this biggest grin on his face because he was there when they were saying that. He comes out, I'm like, what's so funny? He goes, Amy is putting on a clinic for these boys. <laughs> and it was the funniest thing because these dudes are shooting in their group. Dude, man, they wouldn't hit the broadside of a barn if it was three feet in front of them. And she's awesome. sitting there knocking fletches off. And it's the funniest thing to watch because they're like, oh, yeah, man, my uh, my bow ain't, uh, ain't shooting right. And it's, you know, probably the, what would Clark call it, the sight torque? <laughs> is it working? <laughs> But it's just that, oh, you know, you must have picked up that bow so you could, you know, shoot with, like, uh, the Hunger Games chick. But it's just that preconceived notion that just gets squashed immediately. Their loft, so, hey, their loft the loft, the lock of, you know, talent. Loft. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the, the best is you, you get off the course with some guys and right off the bat. I never shoot this many eights. I'm like, um, actually, you do because you just did. It's always, always an excuse. It's like, come on, dude. Like, we all have off days. You know, you take it. You know, take the good with the bad. Oh yeah, you know? th- th- this never happens to me. You're just so pretty. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> come on now, Greg. What? What? Uh, do you normally just do like local 3D shoots for fun, or do you do any of the IBO or ASA shoots? Or yeah, I do. Uh, I, I did IBO. I do. Delaware states, Virginia states. I try to do PA, but it always—I can never seem to get out there. But I go out to the world, been to the worlds twice. Um, wherever, wherever higher level competitions, I, I like to shoot. I mean, I'll shoot with the local, you know, kids around here. But 
I kind of lose my focus if it's not a high pressure situation because the high pressure it's, yeah, either makes me or breaks me. Like I either come out of the gates and I just you know shoot amazing, or I just freeze up and just have a tough time yardage or, or something. So I, I enjoy that the higher level you know competitions. Um, I and get, that's, you I know, get with, that. Because with the pressure and stuff, I just think it adds an extra element of concentration. I don't know what it is. I, myself, yep. I'm, I'm an adrenaline junkie anyway. So yeah. I think it's the pressure that helps me focus more than when I'm by myself sometimes. I start thinking too much and frustrating myself. Yep. And then overthinking. Mm-hmm. Hmm, really? You probably yeah. just jump out of a plane or something, clear your head. Oh, I think yeah. That, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of back. Yeah, a lot of backyard chants. Like everybody's good in their backyard or their home range. I mean, I shoot three fifteen. You know, IBO it's three thirty max. You know, uh, perfect score. I shoot three twenties all the time. Like, oh, that's pretty amazing because that's like twenty X's and like ten tens. Because rock on, dude. Because that's elite level shooting right there. And you take him out and like said, oh, my sight, it's my string, it's my rest, this, the sun's shining. You know, the clouds are in the sky. The, the trees are green. I can't focus. Like, come on, man. <laughs> you know? No, Errol, don't lie, man. I love it. Bad shot. That is awesome. What, what's one tip you give, or a couple tips, whatever you need, uh, that you want to give to someone that's has – they shoot, they hunt, they bow hunt, but they haven't got into 3D archery or tournament archery of, of, of any sort? What tip is just uh, do it. It's, it'll expose your flaws. Um. Exponent, you know, if I tell guys, if, if you say shoot in your backyard, you're comfortable. Like, if you have a 120 inch or 40 inch deer or 50 inch deer coming at you, your comfort zone goes right out the window. You need to put yourself in the worst possible scenario. So when that situation arises, you know, you're comfortable taking a, no, you know, a shot, you know, a shot with your elevated heart rate. And competing is, for me, is the only way to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I started competing because. I started shooting 3D and I developed target panic. I ended up, you know, finding a coach off Archer Talk. The guy lived, you know, pretty close to me, uh, Dave, and he was uh, a level four coach at the time. And I told him, I was like, I shot 3D in the guts. I don't want to shoot anymore. I developed target panic. You know, the hair triggers on these index trigger releases that are out now, those are faster, and your, you know, your flaws are exposed tenfold. Mm-hmm. So we basically started from the bottom and rebuilt myself and I the, the, started shooting 3D again and I was like, man, I'll never forget the day I shot a 292 on the course with a hunting bow, like with my hunting bow. And the best score, I didn't enter that, that day, but the best score was like a 298 and I'm like, I can do this. You know, like I'm shooting, you know, groups of five people, I don't know, like random people. I was like, I think I can give this a go and there I go. It jumped into the you know, target archery and since I've started competing, you know, knock on wood, I haven't lost a deer. That's awesome. You know, so there is benefits to putting yourself out there, and it's got to be out of your comfort zone. You can't just go to your local range and, and compete. you got to get out of sight, you know, shoot different ranges, mm-hmm. you know, work on your yard estimation. You do the things that you don't normally do on a regular basis, and you'll get better if you want to get better, right. you know. As buying a fancy belt. Yeah, as the yeah, young kids would say, fan. be about that life. I don't even know what you're talking yeah. about. Is that what the young kids say? <laughs> just, I don't know where this came from. You just, say, you just stop with the young I'm, kids stuff. Yeah, no, I know. I'm about that life? About that life. <laughs> <laughs> just be about it. Yeah. 
Hey, Greg, you know, and I got a like question. a lot of guys, like Mike Harris was in the, in the, he was pretty, you know, straightforward with me. He's like, if you come here with a different belt or a different site, I'm not coaching you anymore. Ooh. I was like, why? He goes, a diff, a, a, a bow or a site isn't going to make you a better shooter. I don't care what they say. Marketing says it is not going to make you better. And he's absolutely right. You know, you, you got to work on your basics. You know, like this year, I, you know, I kind of dumbed it down. I shot, shoot the riser last year. You know, shot well, played second and third, you know, in Delaware and Virginia. And I felt like I was cheating because I shoot the hunter class. I'm shooting, you know, $2,000 setup. So this year I bought a used bear anarchy off archery talk and I have it, you know, I got my fat arrows, you know, and pretty much it's a pure what I could take out hunting. So I want to test my skill set this year on how good I really am without, you know, modern engineering, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bears, the bow, the specs are great, but it's not, you know, a shoot through riser, the lateral stiffness isn't there. So it's definitely going to test my ability as a shooter, a pure shooter, if you will. Right. Okay. Yeah, add, add a little challenge to it. Sure. Um, so, you I had a, a quick, quick question, Greg, because I and I don't know your physical attributes, but if you want to <laughs> try something as far as pressure, and I forget what it's called, what is that three D tournament where you actually you do some climbing through the mountain and it's, oh. it's, it's like archery challenge? There's archery a boat. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be like called. A couple of them, it used to be called bowcast well, at the bird. Yeah, there's tra- train the hunt one. We got around here. Like I'm actually, right. I entered that one. In the end of June, I'll be doing that here in PA. Okay, that's what it's, I was wondering because I think that's something I would be, in, you know, interested. Yes. in. and I'm I am new to the 3D world. Well, there used oh. to be Bowcast at the Bird out west, and that was when uh, the Bowcast podcast was really big. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know our our buddy Kenny Simpson still does the Bowcast podcast, but I don't know. Like I, I don't know that if was like the, that was like the start of it. The whole thing was yeah. It? I don't yeah. know if that that's the same bowcast, but I know yeah. Bowcast at the bird. It was in Utah or something like that. I, I mean, correct me if I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah, they but. got the photo archer challenge is a is a big one. Um, but there's no, I mean, you hike and shoot you know, hundred twenty hundred forty yard shots, but uh, it's not really like a pressure situation because you can shoot with your buddies. But there's a couple you know the the train the hunt. There's a Let's see. Yeah, there's another one, Pacific Northwest Challenge or something. Right, I, those I are the ones be... I was thinking more because you got to go up and you got to keep your heart rate up and stuff and take the shot. Yeah, it's a it's a whole different. And forget all that yeah, noise, that's... man. I'm I'm trying to talk to these local clubs. To let me get a golf cart and a caddy. <laughs> yeah, they got that train to hunt. I was doing some of the exercises the other day. You got to do like stuff with fifty pounds, step ups, step downs, and get ups and. You know, over shoulder bag toss and do three hundred yard sprints and shoot. Good lord, that is tough because you do this physical challenge and you got to sprint three hundred yards and come back and then shoot for points. Mm-hmm. Like you got to shoot a three D target for points. I mean, and I shoot a, a spike release like a Whalen hooker, and you can't really manipulate that thing. It's more, you know, I'm almost a pure back tension style shooter, and I got to loosen that. I got to lighten that thing up a little bit because. When my heart's beating that fast, I have a hard time executing a clean shot with that release or any release for that matter. It's a totally, it opens up a whole nother, you know, like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. <laughs> Throws up all my training I've done for the last few years, but it's a good, uh, good exercise. Humbling. Sure. 
Greg, one thing I want to hit you with in closing on this podcast is we do a segment we call the Rapid Fire Question segment. Oh, and uh, good it, Lord. It's a uh, <laughs> quick, quick answer questions. If you absolutely feel like if you, I mean, if it gets down to it and you have to elaborate, you can. But for the most part, it's uh, we ask a question, you give an answer, and we move on. Oh, Steve, right. Steve will fire off the first one as he always does. Because yeah, he, no, because I to do it. No, I know yeah. the dude. Normally, my question is favorite pro wrestler, but I already know you're from Jersey, and uh, you know you guys love them ECW guys. I know it's Tommy Dreamer, so I'm not even going to ask who your favorite <laughs> pro wrestler is. So let's continue, Kurt. <laughs> Okay, I don't know what I, I don't I didn't understand a word you just said. No, it was all gibberish. Was that not clear? I'm sorry, I thought I was talking in the microphone. Okay, Greg. Favorite camo. Favorite camo? Uh right now, Scree. What was that? Oh, what? Scree. Favorite camo? Scree. S K R E. I don't know if I'm familiar. Never heard of Speaking it. Speaking of gibberish, <laughs> what is Scree? <laughs> we'll have to check that out. <laughs> yeah. Favorite movie. Uh, River runs through it. Last song you played? Last song I played, Bro Him by Pennywise. Favorite band? Ooh. Favorite band, Pennywise. Pennywise. <laughs> hey, how about that? Favorite outdoor magazine? Outdoor be outside. Favorite bow brand? Yeah, I like them all. I can't. I have six different ones I'm looking at right now. <laughs> <laughs> Backstrap or jerky? Uh, backstraps. Favorite outdoor related show? I don't watch TV. I like that. Mm, that's a good um, answer. First, I'll, <laughs> I'll ask this first because we need to answer this question. Do you listen to podcasts, like in general? Do I listen to podcasts? Uh, a few, yeah, here and there. What's one of your favorite podcasts? Uh, I would say, you know, nothing against you guys, you know, but Midwest Whitetail, like Aaron and Zach. They uh, they're, they're good dudes. They gave me. I, I did a podcast with them last year, so they're pretty, you know, straightforward dudes. I didn't yeah. know Midwest Whitetail had a podcast. Yeah, they do. Aaron, what do they call Aaron's podcast? Yeah, Aaron's podcast. Yeah, yeah I have to oh, look I her up here. I had no idea. Awesome. Yeah. I will look. But that they're up. competition, so we don't bring them up. No, so. <laughs> come on. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, morning or hey, after? I'm a little partial to them because they interviewed me first. So sorry, guys. <laughs> hey, yeah, all right. we'll change it. We'll just interview you more. Uh, your first is always your favorite. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> uh, morning or afternoon hunts? I'm a morning guy. Typical deer or non-typical? Huge typicals. Hang on or ladder stands? Hang on. Beer or liquor after killing the buck of your dreams? Beer. What's your dream hunt? Mm, Mountain goat or Ibex. Nice. Favorite restaurant? Favorite restaurant? Yep. Mm. Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know. Mickey That's D's. A tough one. <laughs> uh, I would say I like J.B. Dolphins. Don't know what that mm, is. Okay, I'm going to guess that's a, a, something a local there. deal. Some burger joint. <laughs> uh, <laughs> favorite tree stand snack? Favorite tree stand snack? Peanut butter and jelly. My man. Fixed or mechanical broadheads? Uh, fixed. Face paint, face mask, or neither? Neither. El natural. El natural. <laughs> um, finish the sentence. During hunting season, my wife blank. 
It's lonely. <laughs> During the off season, my favorite thing to do is blank. Off season is that a TV show or something? I don't know what that is. Oh, <laughs> that's a great answer. Very yeah, well played, sir. Fantastic. Very well played, Greg. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That's is there really anything you need to shout out or plug or anything like that? Uh, just uh, you know, check out my page, my YouTube channel. I mean, I don't really have good editing skills, but I got some some good buck kills in there and some little uh, scouting footage and stuff I do. Uh, you can check it out, like Bell Hunting Fiend on YouTube, and just check out Behind the Bell, Curtis, and uh, he's got some good stuff in there. He's up and coming videographer, great hunter, fantastic storyteller. I mean, amazing storyteller. Awesome. I'll link all that in. This is going to be a featured episode on Working Pla- uh, Working Working Class Working wow. Working, working Class com. One too many bush lattes here on the podcast tonight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. What is the by the way? What is the beer to drink in uh, Southern Jersey? Beer to drink Southern. Yeah, I mean Yingling's the staple. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. You got Yingling Yingling Light out there or what? Yeah, you got Yingling. We got I mean, Yingling great in PA, so it's not that far away. We get them all. Nice. Nice. Well, uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show. I hope all our listeners learned a little bit about uh, public ground and uh, just how to be a better person, not judge people by their <laughs> tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, but, no, man, we really do appreciate it, and uh, we hope you'll come back and do another podcast with us. I had a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, and, uh, like, give one more, you know, to – I mean, if it wasn't for my, you know, the, my followers, I guess, on Instagram that got, I guess, my attention for you guys, it just uh, – Thanks to everyone that, you know, believes me and follows me and, you know, says good stuff about me. Absolutely, yeah. Did Aaron's podcast ask you on for a second episode? Uh, the Aaron's? Uh, no. Nah, okay. <laughs> okay, well, we did, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, there's that. You want to change any answer that you... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe next time. Yeah, yeah, all right, all right yeah. We'll sure. ask it again next time. For right. sure. Well, man, we appreciate it. We, uh... We'll... We're, we got your full support here. We'll do we'll do anything we need uh, to, just to get you out there. And uh, I like promoting guys like you, man. Just as as real as it gets, and just true and hardcore yep. at, at what we we love and believe in. So and we, we could post your phone number yeah. on the website so everyone can call you too. Because I'm notorious oh, for giving people's oh, phone numbers out. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure your lady will love that. Who's calling you at two in the morning? <laughs> oh, is this some dude? Yeah, you'll get you'll get three yeah. phone is calls. Is it Jason State Farm? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's Steve from Working Class Bowhunter. Oh, he needs a he needs a ride again. Steve wearing yeah. scree. Oh yeah, thanks guys. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Right, hey, man. Thank you so much. Good thank time. You. Stick on the phone real quick, Greg. All right, just thank you to all our listeners. We appreciate you listening. Uh, all the support. We love you so much. Um, and really. You know, it's that time. Go shoot your bow. I mean, what else are you doing? Buy stuff on the website, too. WorkingClassBowHunter.com. We love you. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.